that move, like that's a gymnastics move. That's called an illusion. And that's like girls train years, years to be able to do that. And all of a sudden some like some dude in cargo pants and Nikes is doing this. Like that's crazy to me. What is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scope Disposure Podcast. Um, I think, you know, we're at the tail end of season three here, and I think I've been spending a lot of time this year kind of doing a lot of reflection as far as what I want to, you know, continue to use Scope as and, you know, you know, being Western Canada based, um, I, I kind of want to get like I always have been, but I want to spend like more of my time and intentionality of like putting on for the scene here, obviously, but getting to feature and and have conversations with uh, the people within the community that I'm a part of. Um, and recently, I think this has been an episode and interview that I've been like brewing for a long time. And I think with the the release of the demo of this band, I was like, Asia, it's it's time to do the pod if you're down and and she was so i'm very very excited to to finally have asia of fold on the scope exposure podcast thanks for joining me thank you for having me it's uh yeah so you know for for those that don't know uh asia and i have known each other for a few years i would say um but only recently um you know started to sing in a band called fold and you guys have played a number of shows but I only got to see it kind of live for the first time in the last um, couple of weeks here since moving back to Alberta. So obviously I want to talk about release and talk about, you know, all the good things when it comes to Wild Rose Hardcore. But first, we got to check a Bev before we get into the music chat. So what are you sipping on this morning, Asia? I am sleeping, sipping on some chamomile tea from Satanic Tea Co., because Dom is our boy. That that is very that's just an all local scenario. I love that. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if you were drinking something that was caffeinated because you said I'm sleepy versus I'm sipping. So <laughs> No, no caffeinated today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um how do like how much of uh Dom's tea have you uh do you partake in? Are you a regular customer? Oh, of, uh, I'm of a, I'm a regular for sure. I absolutely mm -hmm. love it. I love tea in general. I don't drink coffee, so tea is like big for me, but his stuff is just the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember I remember when I uh when when we when I came back for that one show and I had some work stuff going on and you were gracious enough for, to to put me up. Uh, I remember your your tea selection. You, you were stocked. You had a lot. I was stocked for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, since since we're on the topic of teas, like what are the like what are the top three types of tea that you always have in your in your cabinet at, at your disposal? Always chamomile, always Earl Grey, and then this one is a little bit controversial, but always spearmints. 
Okay. Always, yes. So do you is like spearmint underrated? I think it's super underrated. I find a okay. lot of people are quick to be like, oh no, that's not good because it's gonna taste like toothpaste. But I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, give it a try. It's good. Interesting. Okay. I I can't recall the last time I've bought spearmint tea. I think I've only just been like, oh, it's here and maybe it's the last thing on the line, but maybe I have to uh revisit. Um Yeah. Is there you gotta revisit? I'm I don't think Dom makes a spearmint tea of some kind. I, he has teas that have mint flavors in it. Right. But there's no sure. demon um, toothpaste flavor that he's made. No, but Dom, if you're watching this or listening, <laughs> I think we have idea. an idea here. <laughs> of course. Um, so I'm just, you know, early in the morning, just drinking some uh, some some coffee in um, one of my favorite, favorite uh, ceramics that we have in the house. Um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I remember I was featuring this mug on a past episode, and I've totally forgot who the ceramicist is. Uh, but now that I've, uh, like, I kind of like went after that episode to check. So for for those that are, don't know, uh, there's a I think I think her name is Chelsea Faith Ceramics on Instagram, and uh, she makes the mugs, and then her husband, who's a tattoo artist, um, does the painting of it. So nice yeah, little nice. dynamic relationship duo love so that love to see that um so asia cheers to you very cheers. excited to finally do this so um you know asia i know you know for a new person who comes here on the show i always like to get a bit of context of as far as how they got on the the hardcore path their origin story so to speak so tell me kind of what initially caught your eye when it came to like heavier music or hardcore punk, however you want to spin it? Well, I definitely come from a heavy music family. Both my parents are rockers. So I think my biggest influence was my mom because she started bringing me to local shows in Lethbridge, actually, when I was super young, like all ages shows when I was really young. And then I remember the first big show that she brought me to was Mastodon, mm. which like, they're super, super sick, right? And even crazier live. And I remember seeing that like changed everything for me in terms of music and just how I look at music. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a pathway from there with like metal and then finding punk music, which then led me into hardcore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What specifically about seeing Mastodon live change how you, how you see music? break that down i think it was just like the heavy like how heavy it was and then how the crowd responded to seeing it and the energy that was in the room like it's crazy i always tell people like you can't verbally describe heavy shows you just have to be there and mm -hmm. feel it like it's a feeling that you get and if you get it you get it yeah yeah mm -hmm. like it it's that gamble of when you when when there's a normie in your life where you're like do I like pull back the curtain a little bit? And, and yeah, 100%. Um, but when they're, you know, when you're watching like a, like a YouTube video of a set, like for an outsider, it's like, they're just in disbelief. They're like, I've never seen anything like this, but like yes. once you're in the room and you're feeling that it's like, 
something that's like so indescribable for sure 100 percent. yeah and my mom always in the car would always be playing heavy music like everything from iron maiden and sabbath to like cannibal corpse all of it my mom loves it so she mm-hmm. brought me to my first heavy shows and yeah that's yeah. what really really had it stick for me yeah so i i think i think we talked about this when i was uh visiting over the summer but like because sometimes it happens naturally where either someone will have the high heavy music exposure or they'll have something very, very subtle, which is like a friend through high school who maybe like shows them a couple bands and, and tells them like the the asking Alexandria's that they're listening to suck and then they kind of correct them. Um, yeah. But on the parent side, like some some people are like, my parents listened to this and then I went and did the opposite or like mm-hmm. my parents did this as a profession and I went the opposite. Um, but was it like, like, did you have a moment of that where it's like, oh, that's mom and dad's music versus like, oh, like I like this too and find your own individualism in it? Um, honestly, like I find that where I kind of stray is hardcore itself. Cause my, my mom definitely, she likes hardcore. She appreciates it a lot. However, she, she's a metal lady through and through. Um, the scene and the music and everything about it. So I feel like that's kind of where I was like, oh, like, no, I don't really want to go to the hair metal show with you, mom, anymore. Sorry. (laughs) You know, so there's definitely that. But just like they introduced me to guitar music and I knew that like guitar music is what I wanted to listen to. Right. Yeah. And that that covers so many like avenues for you to choose from, for sure. Exactly. Um, Yeah. But it was dope because like I remember when, uh, because we were, because I was in town and staying with you for the Madball weekend and your mom was like just seeing someone of that age of my parents age as well to like get so stoked to see Madball I'm just like this is so like this is just so interesting to see how it's like two people who are equally as excited and stoked to see the same band for just for different reasons obviously um okay so let's talk about like you know because Fold is the very first band that you're a part of and I think like I've seen like just being in calgary i've seen you kind of like you know going to shows and then kind of getting more into like doing the pit stuff but then i think it was just kind of like one of those things where i was like i was just waiting eagerly awaiting for you to to be in a band of some magnitude so has fold been a long time coming or did that kind of like was there a certain thing where it's like okay now it feels like it's time for me Honestly, I feel like it's probably been like a long time coming for me, just like my love for music and for like hardcore and punk music and all that kind of stuff. And like the mosh style and the energy and everything. Like I knew I wanted to be in a band. I was kind of just waiting for the people that I wanted to do it with and people that wanted to do a similar style of music that I wanted to do within the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely like a long time coming. Like I knew I wanted to do this, but again, like being so busy with like other things also, like it takes a lot of time and energy right. to, to write music and to like put it out there and stuff. And it's, it makes you pretty vulnerable as well. So uh, it was like, it was definitely a balance of being like, Hey, I really want to do this, but like, is this the right thing to do right now? I'm so busy with all my other commitments. Like what if people don't like it, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then I was like, who cares? Like, I don't care if anyone likes it. Yeah. 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 I, it is both. It's, 
it is both a love and a bane of my existence when it comes to like s- like starting a new band because it's just yeah. like there's so much like very like just necessary things to just like okay we got to set up the band camp we got to set up this mm-hmm. we got to like get shirts printed for the first so like, many steps yeah at least when the ball is rolling like you know like you can kind of, and even if the band is on like a, a break for like a release or you know something going on it's like at yeah. least there are certain things in the rhythm where picking it back up is easy but like it is a it is a burn to like get things started at the beginning and it's a little daunting when you have never done that but um i i know that like primarily fold um i i think the idea of it was kind of like a combination between yourself and and daniel obviously um and kind Mm -hmm. of forming the team around that and uh but yeah i it's like i always have the idea like it'd be cool to kind of just have a another little project and then i'm like oh that's just so much work i don't want to yeah yeah (laughs) um so like when it came when you were talking about like the the aspect of like you know singing was it because i've seen you like come up and do like some guest spots for stuff but like when when it came to the actual like preparation of like okay i'm gonna like sing in this band i want to do a good job like who who were like certain influences or different like things that you were kind of like pulling from to kind of like have your own debut on on the mic I took a like huge inspiration from dystopia just uh, um, through his like vocal range and also his performance style of kind of just like acknowledging that the crowd is there, but also like thinking that they're not there and just going crazy on stage. Like, I think that's awesome. And then from like kind of a, like a modern hardcore standpoint of bands that are happening right now, um, Carlos from Raw Brigade his style while performing and like his dance moves and everything he does on stage. Like I take huge inspiration from that also, because it's just about like going crazy and not worrying about what people think about you. And like, he does that perfectly. Like it's awesome. So every time I see that band live, I'm like, they have crazy stage performance. So I've like, I've taken notes on him as well. for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I got to see them uh, when they, played in toronto with speed and it's just like so captivating the entire set and he is just and he's i find like it's sometimes harder as like a taller and lankier individual because you're like you're occupying so much space with your limbs at times versus if you're kind of like under under six foot and you can kind of like everything is a little bit more condensed as far as like your uh your your presence but he just he fully owns it and uh yeah yeah it's awesome so um so kind of going into the aspect of like okay we got the band going um we're gonna you know do all this stuff like what was uh because you guys decided to start playing some shows before the demo dropped um i don't know if that was like intentional because I've I've been on both sides of the coins where it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna drop this and then we're gonna play shows and then sometimes it's like there's a bit of a delay and then we have to like just to fill some uh some bills on some shows. Yeah. So, um, but I do think that sometimes it does work in your favor where people are just like stoked to see a new band in the scene, so they want to mm-hmm. like go off for it and then the the music is released and then there's a a second 
uh, wave to that. Did, did you find that yeah. was kind of how it worked with Fold? Yeah, kind of. I think like we were just excited to perform and I think a lot of people were just excited to see us because like in our scene, we're all pretty close and like we all know each other really well. So we're all friends, right? So I think a lot of people were like, we don't really care if the music's out. We just want to like see you guys perform because it's going to be fun. And then also have a new band to watch because we have like a lot of the same bands performing on the bills, right? right? So I think people were just stoked. And then we released the music and it was like instant love from everyone. So it was cool. And the first show that we played in Edmonton, that was like intentional and planned out. And then the second show that we played in Calgary, we were actually put on the show like last minute. Like I found out the night before I remember my drummer message chat and was like, Hey, do you want to play this show in Calgary? Like there's some stuff going on. They need another band on there. I was like, oh, like, shit, okay, like, let's do it then. <laughs> so, like, we were playing the show that we had no prep for, didn't practice, but it, it went well, so it was fine. Yeah, I, I love mm-hmm. the the aspect of a surprise set for a band that, like... Doesn't have a... music at all. <laughs> it's a, like, a, if no. you know, you know a surprise set. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, So, kind of going into um, the aspect... Oh, what was I going to ask? So... I guess like on on the the aspect of like the demo itself like let's talk about like the first thing that that needs to be covered for sure is the the sample intro that you guys did on it. Can we talk a little bit about how that came to be? Like the beat at the beginning or yes, the just yeah, the beat. So um Dan and I were talking, we were like we don't know if we want to like hard start this demo with just like instant like bass or whatever. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I want to like, just start it with like, just a sample from like a movie or something like that. Like I want some sort of musical aspect in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then we knew like our buddy Cole, like makes great beats. So we were like, why don't we message him and like, ask him if he wants to do a beat for us. And we gave him our inspiration, which was like an old Scooby-Doo beat from the seventies. Um, and we were like, yeah, like we want to, we want to start with like something kind of creepy. And then we gave him some samples that we found from the internet to like mix in with it. And like, mm-hmm. he did the rest. Like he was the genius behind that one for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I remember when Dan was like, cause I think fold is such a great hardcore band name. It's short. Mm-hmm. It's to the point. It, it's almost one that you wouldn't really ex- ex- expect, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, you know, when you have a band name you're trying to think about like okay or even just like song names you're trying to think of like okay how could different samples like work in favor with that yeah i remember dan showing me like just digging through the the internet to find something where people say fold and then he found the one that was like i'll fold you like a piece (laughs) of paper and i'm like yeah okay you need to use that in somehow but like but the fact that it was like included in the beat, it was yeah. just so perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Sh- mad shout out to, to Cole, the God from trench and uh, just beat master. Yeah, for sure. That was super, super epic. Like, like I said, I didn't, I love that sample, but I didn't want just it to start with, I'll fold you like a piece of paper. Like I wanted music on top of it. Right. So he was able to like, just take what I was trying to tell him verbally and like turn it into like music. And I was like, this is perfect. I love this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, 
that's like one of my favorite things of like the creative process is sometimes when you just come with like a very bare bones idea like yeah. someone who is like an expert can take it from like one into 100 and it's like yeah wow, I could have never like taken it to that level um mm -hmm. so yeah yeah I I love the collab there um speaking of like more artistic aspects of the demo um I when the artwork was sent to me from Dan I was like this is so interesting and so like not something normal from what I've seen in the hardcore community but I feel like it fits yeah. the band so perfectly uh talk to me about yeah. who did it and the inspo for that so the Michaela my best friend she did the artwork and I knew she, I wanted her because like what we were talking about before wanting to be in a band and stuff I always told her when we were younger I was like man when I'm in a band I want you to draw the art for my band so oh. when it finally started happening I was like dude like I still want you to draw the art for the band Mm -hmm. And super similar where I was like, gave her my ideas knowing that she was the expert and then she executed it and it was just perfect. And it works with the beat perfectly. It works with me perfectly. So I think it's really cool. We wanted to do something kind of colorful, but also dark, which mm -hmm. is like really kind of like an oxymoron because it's like bright and colorful, but also make it look like it's in like a dark room and like yeah. it's hard to see and stuff. Um, but yeah, she did it for us and yeah, it was super sick, super happy on how it turned out. And I've gotten like so many compliments on it on like people will listen to the music and stare at the artwork and they're like, wow, this is like a full realized concept with the beat and the art and the music together. Like it all just works. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, some the aspect that you're able to kind of play off of like, I don't know, like a more like children's book like design <laughs> but like still give it like a bit of like edge to it when it comes to like the the style to match the style of the music i think it was just a like a slam dunk like yeah high high praise uh, i'll make sure that we include uh michaela is, is their name yeah yeah i'll, I'll include their info in, in the episode um uh to for people to check it out because if, if we could get more hardcore bands to have like artwork like that like I, i'm for yeah it, so. i'm telling people more bands need to go back to doing physical art like digital art's awesome it's cool it has its place but i mean get a real painting for your for your album or your demo like do it it's epic yeah i, I feel like there's definitely like i was kind of having this conversation i think it was with jordan actually but like there there are definitely like certain tropes within diy or like hardcore music that i like i understand but like and i don't know if this is a hot take per se but like when a band only has like black and white covers like it it it, it annoys me so much <laughs> i you know what i agree and listen like I am a black and white girl. I only have black and white band merch. Like, I won't wear our band merch if it's colorful. Even if it's <laughs> merch, I'm not going to wear any of it because it's all probably going to be colorful. So I understand the black and white aesthetic. But with art, like, there's so much more you can do if you just add some color to it. Right. Yeah, I think it's just like, and it, like, it can just be subtle. It can still have a lot, like, 80% black, but just, like, throw something yeah. especially when bands are doing like lp to lp because i'm just like okay which black and white <laughs> yeah what am i looking at here exactly yeah so i don't know that that's my one confession uh off 
well, it's not even a confession. I'll die on that hill. But um, yeah, it's just it's a bit of an annoyance where where bands like I feel like you're just leaving stuff on the table. There's definitely mm-hmm. bands that add too much. Co- like I'm looking at a record behind me that was like that is way too much color. That's not a great example. <laughs> but I feel it's yeah. in the uh, it's in the subtleties. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any like you know to echo your point on the artwork side though? I think a lot of people just assume they see some dope artwork and then they immediately want it on a shirt or a hoodie mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know if there's even a way to do that. Um, but there's just like a million colors in that, in that artwork. I don't know if that's been discussed in, in the band chat at all. Definitely considering doing it as like a pre-order or something because it would just like, there's so much colors in that art, especially cause it's a painting. Like, it would be so expensive to like do a, <laughs> do a, full, a full run of that. Like we can't afford that. Let's be honest. But we definitely want to do a pre-order for that one for sure. Yeah. Considering ways to like almost alter it to make it more monochromatic. So choosing kind of like one color throughout it and getting like another version of it done with just like one color or trying to turn it into like a black and white version just to make it like more affordable because the artwork is super dope. And I know a lot of people have asked for it on shirts and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Like sometimes like you could definitely do stickers of that. No problem. For sure. Yeah. We did our yeah. J cards that as well on our tapes. So people were able to get it that way. Did you do the tapes just like, like yourself or is that like through something or is that a to be determined later on? We kind of just like, ordered them from a buddy and then got them duplicated and then printed the J cards and cut them ourselves and put it in. So we, we like, yeah, we pretty much did it ourselves with some help of the the community, you know? Right. Um, I guess like one of the last questions on the artwork, and this is something that like I've been trying to do with Endgame because uh, it didn't, it didn't start this way, but like we've kind of had this like character when it comes to like this little devil and all of our artworks. And mm-hmm. I have, I've taken inspiration from that through like uh, a day to remember. Cause they would always have like a guy on like yeah. all of their stuff. So I don't know if there's plans or thoughts to like, whether it's the girl, like the relationship between the girl and the ghost or the, you know, uh, to kind of be in multiple things in mm-hmm. the future, or if that's just kind of like a one-off and we'll do something else in, in for the next release. We've talked, Dan and I have talked about that and we're not sure if we're going to like use the same characters, but it's definitely going to be in the same universe. Like the art style will be the sit very similar, like almost looking like it's in like the same world. Like we were talking about like what's around the corner because the girl's coming out from a corner, right? So what's on the other side of it? Like we're kind of brainstorming ideas like that. Um, I don't know if we're going to use the girl again or the monster again, but definitely like same world for sure. Yeah, the full the foldiverse. The foldiverse. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Um I think the other thing too and I think that there's a bit of a a trope specifically with with Alberta bands that there's like like the the style that fold is going for is not a common thing within the like um, within the Calgary and kind of Edmonton space, like maybe more Edmonton, but like mm-hmm. with the majority of the members being in Calgary, like there's not a lot of like true punk hardcore bands like that, like you guys. Yeah. 
And I find, and just speaking as someone who has also played in a band that is not in the common denominator of like uh, subgenres, sometimes that can feel like a little daunting. But I think, I think it's almost the opposite that like being one of the few actually like like works in your favor more. Have you found yeah. that with like playing some of the shows that you guys have where it's like, you know, we're a band that like kind of stays in this lane and people are, are, are wanting to, are, are, are down with that? Yeah, I think it definitely makes us stand out. Um, a lot of like the bands coming from our city right now are very of like a different kind of subgenre within the scene. So I think it definitely does make us stand out because it's been a, it's been a while since Calgary has had a, hardcore punk band um and honestly when like daniel and i were making it i remember telling him i was like we need a band that can teach these kids how to two-step because we got this whole wave of new kids after covid like most scenes did and we have all this like complicated metalcore riffs and i'm like they're not learning how to dance properly because of this like we need to dumb it down go back to the roots these kids need to learn how to two-step learn how to mosh clean and then you know they'll be able to appreciate more of that like other bands that we have but i was like we don't have anything that like that teaches kids how to do this we got to make the dance band like we need a true dance band yeah i i really want a full shirt that says like fold like dance crew on the back yeah. or something like yeah. that next like if, if it's for the bull or some other fest that you guys are playing i feel like that needs to be a little like exclusive shirt that needs to be made because yes. yeah like especially like seeing you guys in calgary it's like giving more of those type of parts for people to like literally do the practice in yes in at the shows to be able to do it like you know, you could you could be two stepping in your in your basement for as long as you want, but like without having the actual energy and the music going, like that's where mm -hmm. that's where you're trying to like actually show your stuff. Yeah. And you need opportunities to show your stuff. So Yes, for sure. So I was like, let's make a dance band, especially me having like a huge appreciation for the dance world in itself. So mm. I was like, Yeah, we gotta do it. I feel like that's a very great segue into some other stuff that I wanted to talk to you about. So people that know you uh, know that you're, I guess, like the the world outside of like hardcore and music stuff that you're active in is like gymnastics and things like that. Um, w when did that originally start for you? Because I think you've been doing that for like over a decade at this point. Yeah, for sure. So I, my first introduction to any sort of like, physical movement like that was jazz dance and then um it was like super expensive to do dance like that so I transitioned to rhythmic gymnastics and yeah it's been like over a decade of doing it for sure and then that's just branched off into all different types of like um performance like that and like different types of gymnastics and stuff and it really does like affect everything I do performance wise outside of it like gymnastics has affected music and how I act in a band and everything like that 100% just in terms of like working in teams and then also like um my dedication to something as well is very very ingrained for me from gymnastics so like if I say I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it if I say I'm gonna be somewhere at a certain time I'm gonna be there mm -hmm. so it definitely has like affected how I look at our band as well for sure yeah like that was some questions I had as far as like what 
has been the crossover between both, but I wasn't expecting like the actual like like not like the ethics, but just like the the way you do something versus maybe a stylistic thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's very I, interesting. I definitely have to like let go a little bit because gymnastics has shaped me shaped me into being like a perfectionist when I perform and stuff. And I know hardcore isn't about being perfect and you're never gonna have a perfect set the same way that like we're taught in gymnastics where like you go out there and you try and be as close to perfect as you can. So I've definitely had to like kind of like relax a little bit, chill mm-hmm. on that. Like not everything's gonna be perfect, but um I am like through and through a performer and it really does come over even though like bold is my first time doing like performing in a band and doing music when every time I go up there it feels like I've been doing it for like a decade still because of the amount of um gymnastics performances I've done all over the world Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's very that's very cool that you kind of had like a, a leg up to like because a lot of people when they do their very first band they've never you know like there, there's the aspect of performance so there's like you know like there but there's also the aspect of like you know public speaking in between sets yeah. and like trying to like you know yeah continue with a vibe with no music you know that's yes but it sounds yeah. like you've had a bit of a you know maybe not on the on the public speaking aspect through gymnastics but like you know as far as being in front of people doing something um mm-hmm. that's entertaining like i think that's uh you had a bit of a, a head start at the very least. 100%. Yeah. And just like being able to handle the pressure, mm-hmm. like not feeling like I'm going to crack or anything. And like realistically, Fold hasn't really done any like huge shows that have required pressure because all of our shows have like been within Western Canada where it's just homies performing to homies and it's like super chill vibes. But right. I feel like if given the opportunity to like, go to different places where like I'm performing in front of more strangers, making more of like that first impression. I feel like, like I'm not going to crack under that pressure that some people might feel just Mm -hmm. because of my experience in performing. And like, I love performing. The hardest part definitely is speaking between songs and stuff. And like that whole public speaking aspect, I'm kind of awkward and I'm like, I don't really want to do this. That's why I have Dan he like covers like the thank yous and stuff so yeah 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 you you're just in charge of dedicating sets to nikki if yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i was like that's all i'm gonna say i'm gonna say thank you nikki even though she had nothing to do with this show i'm still gonna thank her (laughs) like i i know nikki's probably listening to this episode but like it's just funny i was thinking about that because the amount of audio and video footage i have just of her cackling to like <laughs> just someone saying something or hilarious is just like i i couldn't even like i would have to spend multiple days like pulling all of that because there's so many from from all the years i've been doing the shit um yeah but going back to the gymnastics sides like talk like what is the is there anything like at, at least from that world to hardcore that you weren't expecting there to be like a lot of similarities, like even just in the actual, like, like the movement side when it comes to like mosh styles, like, is there stuff Mm -hmm. within that that people wouldn't expect if they don't know anything about the gymnastics world, that there's lots of crossover there, man. Okay. So there's this mosh move that people do that is like, like a very difficult high level ranked competitive gymnastics move. 
And every time I see people do it, I'm like, oh, like that's <laughs> fucking awesome. And I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like the one where you're on one leg and you're like kicking your other leg back and spinning around kind of. And we call that an illusion in gymnastics. And an illusion. I know like an illusion, yeah. And I know that like Luca does them a lot and like um Tyler from Inclinations I was doing those a lot. That's a Tyler Short. Yeah, it's the Tyler kick. Short back kick move. That move, mm-hmm. like, that's a gymnastics move. That's called an illusion. And that's like girls train years, years to be able to do that. And all of a sudden, <laughs> some like some dude in cargo pants and Nikes is doing this. Like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to email Tyler after this episode and be like, just so you know, you could run it up with uh some yeah. high level gymnastics gals for sure for sure i just i just want someone to take any footage of tyler short and just like superimpose it over like a gymnastics like you know <laughs> yes be awesome yeah me yeah, and asia in the back holding sure. holding just Sport. fat tens is there any pre- like things on the prep side for gymnastics that you do when it comes to like performing for a full set or is there is it just more like basic shit like maybe i'm gonna stretch or maybe i'm gonna like drink some water like i don't know if there's like anything specific that's either basic or a little bit more intermediate when it comes to just like prep work from both of those um camps you know what like honestly absolutely i feel like people are quick to clown on the dude that's stretching before the pit but you know what that guy's waking up in the morning feeling fine (laughs) so many so many of my hardcore friends are always like oh my shoulder oh my back and it's like man just do your stretches like when you're moving your body that fast like you were pulling tearing little like micro tears in your muscles and if you're not stretching before that they don't have the ability to heal as fast and properly mm-hmm. so you're just like essentially tearing up your muscles for no reason and it's like warm yourself up do some arm circles before i always wear my body up before performing or if it's like a set that i know i'm i might go a little bit crazy for like i'm always stretching my like hamstrings my shoulders it's just you got to take care of your body and then also drinking water i i know a lot of a lot of bands drink water but i definitely know some people that are like oh i only drink like red bulls or only like pop or something on stage and it's like oh don't do that like you need water you need to hydrate yourself yeah so water and stretching like those are obviously i feel like pretty obvious but i feel like not enough people are doing it yeah well like you know speaking of our favorite gymnastics hardcore dude uh tyler like if you've seen constraint before that yep. man is is stretching before he's stretching like, always stretching that he's like horizontal on the stage before they're set at times just like, <laughs> yes really just making sure but that man is like older than i am and he goes like crazy super saiyan hard when it comes to his yeah. performance and you know exactly but like you know obviously that goes like that goes without saying like if if the riff is calling and you haven't done your your stretches and you you got a pit for 40 seconds like that <laughs> you, like you gotta that do is it incur- you have to but if yeah. you're like i'm i'm going off to t- support my friends just maybe do a couple of these do a little prep yeah do a little prep for your body yeah uh uh on the gymnastics side like are you 
I guess like that is your job as well. Like when it comes to like teaching, is is that correct? Yeah, like I do, I'll do some coaching, like coaching kids and stuff. And then also like helping out around like different studios that I go to quite a bit and stuff like that. So I would definitely consider it one of my jobs for sure. Yeah. 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 It is, it is interesting to hear how you have to kind of disconnect at times when it comes to like the aspect of being a perfectionist in that space versus you yeah. know, like everyone wants to have like a perfect hardcore set, but I feel like the, how you define perfect for like a set in, in DIY music is a lot different from what you would do in like something more theatric. Like you could have played maybe like 75% good, but maybe the vibe and everything else made like made up for that 25%. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that there's been a perfect fold set so far or is that still to come? Oh, not even close. Like, <laughs> I I love those boys more than anything. But and I've told them this. I hear every wrong note. They <laughs> think I don't, but I hear every wrong note that's played. But you yeah. know what? Like, we're just having fun. And at the end of the day, all of our sets have had like quite good reactions. Um, especially on this last run that we did. Like, the Edmonton set was absolutely insane. The stage is like tiny it's like a step up so you can't really jump off of it but people were jumping off the tables off like the monitors anything that they could jump off of they were jumping off of it so it was just sick so at the end of the day like I really don't care how good we play as long as the audience likes it and they're feeling that energy then I'm happy yeah um so going back to the demo and talking about like some of the uh you know the lyrics and some of your like vocal like aspects like it's always like really cool to see someone's, you know, when it's someone's like first band and kind of like where, what, what are the things that they're passionate about when they want to like put that set to the music? So can you talk to me about like the, the vocals and the lyrics that you were writing for this release? And, you know, if there's certain lines or certain songs that like really were very important to you to get right. I think all of them are really important, but especially I think coming from both Daniel and I was the last song, which is Everyone Hates Marineland, which that in itself is like hilarious because for people from the US, they probably wouldn't know this, but we have something called Marineland and the commercial goes, everyone loves Marineland. So I was like, let's do Everyone Hates Marineland because fuck Marineland. And then that was kind of our like, vegan song that we wanted to do because dan and i have both been vegan for years um but we wanted it to be something that you can still kind of connect to even if you aren't vegan which is why we kind of went the marine land sea world route because i don't know a single person in hardcore that fucks with sea world or likes marine land whether they're vegan or not right so right. i was like if we say this this is something that's like kind of going on that animal liberation route that everyone kind of agrees with and everyone's like, yeah, like that's kind of sucks. You shouldn't have dolphins in, in like closed spaces and stuff like that. And then in that way, I was like, people are going to be more likely to listen to it that aren't vegan. And then maybe that could spark some sort of idea in their head of being like, this is kind of something that's actually kind of interesting to me that I want to look more into also with the lyrics itself. It's not very, um, 
chanty being like go vegan go vegan we don't actually mention the word vegan in that song once Mm -hmm. it's more talking about like the environment and like a line in that song that really like is important to me was um as the smoke fills the sky will you sit back and cry kind of talking about climate change um and then after that it says now that it's in your backyard change doesn't seem so hard And that was important to me kind of thinking about Kelowna this summer and all of those like super, super beautiful houses burning. And like now people want to talk about it now that like all these like and I'm like, it's a tragic story what happened there. But now that all these like rich upper class communities have had their homes burnt in this like beautiful um, scenic area of the world. Now people are like, oh, this is so sad, like climate change and like the world's dying blah 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 so it's kind of like, like as we've, we've been saying this sky, for forever exactly already. we've yeah. been saying this forever so that was kind of my way of being like now that it's in your backyard change doesn't seem so hard so now that you are being affected by it now you want to talk about it when before right. when it was just like like a uh, third world countries being affected by it by like sea level rise and stuff like that it didn't matter but now that it's in the, our western communities that like have more money and stuff like that now it's something that people want to talk about so that's what i was highlighting in that song and like if you like really read the lyrics in that song it's all about like climate change and how like humans have like contributed to this part of our world and how we like have chosen to ignore it or like be ignorant to it and now that we're at a point where we can't really ignore it anymore now people are like, how could this happen? Mm-hmm. How could we let this happen? You know? Yeah. So that yeah. is like probably our most important song on the whole demo. It's yeah. also our longest one. Yeah. And I, I've, you know, just on the musical side of it, like I was speaking with Dan the other day about like, it's, it's also the most different as far as the other tracks, as far as like mm-hmm. you guys doing, like, I think that you have like, kind of like a singing kind of more talking portion on that track. Yeah. And there's like some, some different like styles on the instrumentals as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like one of my favorites of that. Cause it is so different. Um, yeah. So I, I hope that you guys have had other good responses, both on the lyrics and the music side, like, and as you guys write more stuff that you continue with, um, with some of those cadences for sure. So I guess like when it comes to like future plans, cause like, um, you know, for, for, for friends that, you know, you're going to be going through a bit of like a life transition as far as like moving to another country. So doing a long distance ban is obviously like easier said than done. So like, are there plans in, in the, in, in the works right now when it comes to new music? Like, I'm sure you're going to be back and forth a lot of times, but yeah. At least speaking from experience, like when you do a long distance project, you need to be like intentional about like, yes. okay, I'm going back and and during we're this getting week, shit done. We're getting shit done exactly. So yeah, has, has there been any thoughts or plans made yet, or is that to be? To, to yeah, be well, I've definitely like set goals with the guys in terms of like, um, like we're coming back for like an event in April and I'm like by then we should have like this written so we can like start recording and like in theory I can record my voice kind of anywhere so that's not as much of a worry but 
And like Dan and I did the demo long distance because he lives three hours away, right? So it was pretty much just us FaceTiming and like him playing riffs and me being like, or me being like, yeah, like keep that one. So I think it's going to be like the similar vibe with that. Um, But yeah, it is crazy that I'm like moving and it's going to, like we just put it out and now it's like, I'm moving into a different country. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, like we have goals set and I think that's all that matters. I'm a very get shit done person. Again, that gymnastics side of me, if we say we're going to do something on this date, it's going to happen. Mm. <laughs> so I think it should be good still. I think all of us are like pretty determined in making it happen. Um, and we're also like not in any rush. Like we're doing it just for fun. So right. yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to work still. We have some goals for like new music to be written for the Super Bowl events and stuff. So mm-hmm. Which is we're gonna make it happen. February, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. Is because uh, I always like to be able to like you know I'm I document shows uh, and live performances, but I feel like I also document people's you know where they're at in their hardcore journey, if you want to call it that, through this podcast. Yeah. So I'm curious if there's like three personal Asia goals that you hope to do for this year to come. And that could either be fold related, it could be just like personal. Um, I'm just curious if there's any like intentional things that, you know, yeah. if you hit those goals, then you can look back at this podcast and be like, damn, I done did that. Yeah. Um, like a fold related goal, I would love. And like, I don't know if this is a stretch because it's like hard for Canadian bands to get this this amount of recognition. I would love to play a coastal scene in the US. So whether that be West Coast or East Coast, I think that would be fucking awesome for our band. So I would love to be able to do that. A personal goal is I'd love to go to more countries that are drastically different than my own and see how hardcore works there. Because this year I got to go to Thailand, which was like awesome getting to go to a show in Bangkok. It was like... It was crazy. Like seeing their mosh, I was like, damn, they <laughs> showed up in Bangkok. You guys have crazy ass mosh. Like they're mm-hmm. awesome down there. And then I get to go to Colombia also for hardcore in December. So I'm super lucky for that. And then, yeah, in 2024, I want to be able to like see more countries and like go to shows in more countries that are drastically different than North America. Mm-hmm. I find like you, you learn so much when you are going to see like, even if you just like zoom it in a little bit more, like even just going to like, I felt like I, I learned so much in my time on the Eastern side of Canada when it came to like mm-hmm. hardcore stuff and just seeing the differences and, and mm-hmm. some of those things. And I, and I find you anytime you're more of a, like a, a newcomer or you're just visiting, like, I feel like you should be you should have your fucking reading glasses on and like really yeah. look at how things operate. So you can take that experience when you go back home as well. Yeah. You, I, I feel like sometimes people can get in the mindset. It's like my hardcore scene is the best in the game. And you know, you need to have a little bit of that confidence for sure. But like mm-hmm. you should take when you're in new places, like be, be a, be an intentful observer. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. When you were in Thailand and Bangkok, is there anything like, like, you know, it's one thing to admire like some 
some some style that's not common to your area for sure. But was there anything in in the way the show was run or the local bands that were playing that was just like very uh, caught your eye? Um, I think like like there's a level of gratefulness for music that they have there that we I think have lost in North America. Um, like not a single person was sitting at the back for a set. Every single person for every single set was watching every single band. Like it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So I think that there's like a lot more appreciation and like gratefulness for that. I think also because like they don't get as many like touring bands from the United States. And you see a little bit of that in Canada too, where like in Western Canada, Alberta particularly, like we don't get a lot of US bands coming through because we're not on a tour route. So it's like really hard for bands to like get here. Yeah. Um, so when we do have bands from the U.S. come, it's like, we don't even care what you sound like. Everyone's going to be moshing for it, like, because we're just happy you're here. So it was like that in Bangkok, but on like a way, way bigger, um, like, scale. So, yeah, everyone was just, like, super grateful. And then uh, everyone was, like, really, really, like, connected to each other. Like, you could just feel the love in the room. Yeah. I, I, f- I feel like if people are sitting like it is so disrespectful at at a heavy music show like, yeah you know what the fucking opera like fucking stand up <laughs> like i don't know what to say like you don't especially, have to watch i understand but yeah especially at local shows if you're like if you're if you're on tour that's a different thing you might be fucking tired but if you're just like showing up for a local show and you're sitting down for someone's set that might be personal <laughs> <laughs> Asia is going to fold you like a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 That's what I'm trying to say. That, threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, this, yeah, this is a threat. Um, yeah. Asia, uh, as we head towards the close, uh, I asked two more questions. Uh, the first being the, the, the ongoing kind of closer main question for, for the podcast, which is a favorite <laughs> mosh related story for you, sh- for you to share. So that's anything that's first your head, either related to you, uh, related to a band, or it could have just been a random show that you were attending and you saw something. Whatever's first your head is how we start to end things here. Ah, uh, I have like so many that I I gotta think for a moment. Yes, it's I always to come to I mind. have too many to think of, or what are the ones that I can tell that's not gonna get someone in trouble. Those are the two. Yeah, literally, that's kind of like filtering out, like, oh, maybe don't tell any Zach stories. <laughs> um, um, for myself, for like a mosh move for myself, probably like recently uh, at Sanguasigabog when they came through Calgary. So that show. Five days later, I would be leaving for a gymnastics event in Amsterdam. So I was like, I love this band. I love all the bands on this tour package. I cannot get hurt. Like, I absolutely cannot get hurt. So I was like, I'm going to wear an outfit that will make me be like, okay, you can't mosh because this is like an expensive, like, nice outfit that you don't want to be moshing in. Sure. Man, like, (laughs) Sango Sikabok started their first, like, their first song and like 
I don't know what took over me, but something did. And I'm like running across the stage in a little mini dress and I like flip off the stage and I tore the shit out of the back of this dress. And it was actually my mom's as well. So I was like, oh no, (laughs) I wore this outfit so I wouldn't do this. And I did it anyways. Right. Like how, Um, I'm trying to think of like other people. I mean, I think it's like, uh really i love watching like stage dives and stuff so like everyone stage dives at sound and fury in 2022 was super super sick just seeing people like go for it and actually flip was super awesome so yeah. probably like shout out that fest for their stage divers as well <laughs> and then Another like mosh classic favorite is every time Daniel dislocates his shoulder while moshing, even though he know he's always like, I got to stop moshing. I dislocate my shoulder every time. And then he's there dislocating his shoulder. Yeah. It's awesome. I don't, it, it is awesome. I, uh, I can't remember. We had someone on recently. I don't know why I'm blanking. Oh, it was, uh, it was Kane from speed, uh, a, a fellow, uh, dislocator. Uh, and we, okay, okay. I think we got it. Like, I think we talked 50 minutes about how, how often that happens for him and how he has to like, yeah. put it back in. And then if he doesn't, it's like the most excruciating pain, but th- yeah. there have been multiple times where I've like run up on Dan and he's got like a fucking, he's doing giant, this move and you know, he's, he's doing like, this, when he's doing this, he's got a bag of ice on it. And yeah. I'm like, what every happened show. this time? Every yeah. show. Yeah. Every show. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot of bog songs that start and it's just like, it overtakes you. <laughs> it does. It does. I honestly, I should have just been smart and worn a normal outfit that day and just accepted the fact that I was going to yeah. be moshing. I mean, it, you tried. You were like, I'm going to like, I'm going to try to I'm going to make an effort. Yeah. I'm going to make an effort to start to not mosh. Yeah. But like, again, going back, it's like, it doesn't matter if you've worn your mom's favorite dress or you haven't stretched when the when the mosh call is calling you got to answer it 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 just takes over yeah for sure yeah. um well asia again i'm really excited that we get to finally do this uh all the fold links and your personal links will be in the description and in the show notes anything you want to shout out send the people off on or end uh or or plug for the episode um shout out everyone that helped along the way shout out you for having me here and then to all the haters uh i hope you're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because i'm not leaving beautifully said Uh, (laughs) yeah keep staying mad and listen to fold uh i'm very excited to uh see you know see what's next in the fold camp i think it's going to be very 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 sick and thank you once again in the Asia, foldiverse for... in the foldiverse yes <laughs>